2 Peter chapter 1. We're gonna, we've been going through 2 Peter, and we're, I guess in a sense I was going to stop that to start a new series, and, uh, and yet 2 Peter is perfect for it, so I get to stay right where we were. This is going to last through the year, but we're not going to do it every Sunday. Just every three or four weeks we'll pop a new one, and that is there's a reason. There's a reason we do what we do, how we do it. I'm talking about Valley View as worship and as what we believe, as what we teach. And, 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 the, and the, we're going to start with, there's a reason that we submit to Scripture, and there's a reason we start with Scripture. Because I think this could be the only one we would need in this series, is that we go back to Scripture with what we do, and if we can say, because the Scripture says it, that's all we need to know that's how we need to do it, right? Is that not true? If that's what Scripture says, that's how we need to do it. That's kind of the theory behind this first one. But let me share with you why we're doing this. If we're going to do there's a reason, we need to have a reason for doing there's a reason. And there is one. I, I think we need to explain to the world, because the world does not appreciate or understand why we do what we do. And they find us a little odd sometimes. And I think we need to explain to them. Now, the world is not here. They're not watching on TV. They're not watching on YouTube, and they're certainly not present here. So the world's not going to know it directly. But I think the world's going to discover it as we go out and share with them some things about why we do what we do. And I think this lesson is also for church people. You can come here for a long time and never really realize, why do we do this? And if we raise a generation of people that don't really appreciate why we do what we do, they'll get out there and they'll discover there's plenty of other ways to do things. Why was the way I grew up with any different than any other way? They need to know. So we need to give them a reason. And that's what this series is about. We start with this uh, source of authority because here's the deal. If if we're going to argue, if we're going to defend, if we're going to explain, we need to have something from which our explanations come. And that is Scripture. We root everything in the Word of God. That's what we believe. First of all, notice this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. He says what the Word of God is not. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. This that we follow and the, and the explanations that come out of Scripture are not from some man-made book of fables. Now, it was written by people, but not just by people. It was written by human beings, yes, but not just by human beings, because Scripture can say, well, David said this, but it also says about the same passage, the Holy Spirit says, and it's the same thing. So did David write it or did the Holy Spirit write it? And our answer is, yes, both at the same time. It's not human created. Kind of like Harry Potter, who I think, I think Rowling was amazingly, amazingly intelligent. Those seven volumes, all the things that she does in there, this intricate story, and it all wraps it up at the end, I think is brilliant. Scripture's not quite like that. 
Uh, and you may like John Grisham and the way he weaves all these details and then makes them all come out right. That's amazing. Scripture is amazing, but it's not quite like that. It's, those things aren't equivalent with Scripture. Scripture is written by human beings in certain contexts, but also God superintends it so that it conveys what it's supposed to, so that it adequately, accurately describes what God wants to communicate to human beings. That's what Scripture is. It's not man-made fables and it's not fiction. I had plenty of, uh, of professors who would say, well, it doesn't really matter whether the story is true. We just need to get the moral out of it. It does matter that the story is true. It does matter that these events really took place. We believe they took place, that this is an actual record of what God did. Peter says, Scripture is not this. It's not a fictional story. If it were, then the things that, that are said in Scripture have no more bearing to our lives than the rules for Hogwarts school of wizardry and witchcraft. And, and it's something more than that. And so he says what Scripture is, if you'll look ahead at verse 21, the last verse he read a moment ago. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. People didn't create this communication of Scripture. God did. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Scripture is a record of God's words written by inspired people who heard these words and saw these events and recorded them. He himself, Peter, the writer of this book, remembers the transfiguration as one particular event that he remembers. God worked through people in his Holy Spirit. God made sure the right meaning he wanted to convey was there. And this is what Paul says in the second Thessalonian letter to the Thessalonian people. We also thank God constantly for you, for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. When it was read this morning, those few verses when he sat up here or stood up here and read them, did you receive them as neat instructions from man, or do you understand those as the words of God? Church, which is it? Is that the words of God? What does that mean that it's the word of God? What, is, what, should that, what, what difference should that make? And the rest of this book is about what difference it should make. Now I need uh, Parker here. Where's Parker? Is he here now? Yeah, come up here if you would. And uh, uh, Parker is the, the guy's... In, don't look over here. You don't need to see this obstacle. Everybody. You stay right... No, who's the uh, female intern for the year? What's her name? What? Hannah. I remember Kanabe, right? Okay, Hannah, if you'd come up here. I want everybody to meet him. Turn around this way. This is Parker. You remember him from last year? You've been fearing this moment, but he's returning. He's back. Okay. All right, could you do me a favor and, and put this blindfold around his eyes so that he can't see anything? Now, can you see? No. All right. And if you would, and Hannah, by the way, is from Circe. For those of you who don't, she's a great. I want you to help him get back down there. Where You see where Tony is, Tony Wave? Get him back there to him, would you? Yeah, just take, lead him, because he's, he supposedly can't go down this aisle, if you would. Yeah. Yeah, that right. Okay. As they're doing that, I'm going to illustrate something for you. But first of all, notice one thing that he says. If we really believe that these words that we read in Scripture are the Word of God, there's a few things that are going to result. 
One is this. You notice in verses 12 through 15 of 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter makes it clear over and over, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to keep saying it, and, and I'm going to make sure that after I'm gone, you'll be able to hear it again. So the first thing that we're going to do, if we as a group, as we as a, if we as a church really believe these words are the words of God, we're going to take everything we do from out of it. We are going to, we're going to do our worship from the way it describes it in the New Testament. If we do this, we're going to have Bible classes. We're not going to have lectures and we're not going to have the pep rallies. We're going to have Bible classes where we get into that word and say, how can we be as faithful to the heart of God as we can? If we believe these are the words of God, everything we do will come out of it. Is that true? Our sermons need to be rooted in Scripture not in human psychology. Our, our Bible classes need to be proven to be right from the words of Scripture. And if it's not from the words of Scripture, we don't need to be saying it. We have no authority other than the words of God. So that's the first thing. Second thing you're going to notice, if you look with me at verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention the second thing is pay attention to it. Don't just read it. Don't just absorb it. Don't just devour it like we do in the first. But I want you to pay attention to it. This is a weird phrase, pay attention. We use it all the time. Pay attention? Does it cost you to focus on something? To give your undivided attention to one thing for your source of authority, does that, cost, does that cost you something? It does indeed because you have to give up other things, maybe things you'd rather do, maybe things you'd rather hear, maybe more entertaining things, maybe all those things. But to pay attention means I'm going to give it my undivided, focused attention. And there's so many other things that can. Even while you are here listening to the Word of God expanded this morning, there's distractions all around you and there's things vying for your attention even right now. In the early service, we had Bert Samples there. Bert Samples came to the early service because he's going to Memphis to watch North Carolina beat Kentucky today. You're sitting through a worship service knowing you're about to get in your car and go to, go to Memphis and watch the North Carolina-Kentucky game. Is that a little bit of a distraction while you're trying to sit there and listen to the Word of God? The answer is yes. You've got babies around, and we're glad you do, but you're trying to make sure they don't you know, bother anybody else. That's a distraction. What are you going to have for lunch? Let me just say it again. Vienna sausages and cottage cheese. That lessened the distraction somewhat? There's all sorts of things right now vying for your attention. And Peter says to us, pay attention to the Word. So here's how we're going to illustrate that. Cabot, if you'd come up here, Cabot is God. He's going to play God. He's going to come up here. He's going to, if you would come right up here to the podium, here's what, Parker's back there. He's got, his, he's got his eyes covered. He can't see. He's going to start where Tony is, and Cabot's got to lead him down here to where I am. He wants to be where Cabot is. We'll say Cabot's here. So, so get behind the microphone so he can hear you. Now listen, here's what's hard about this. As Parker starts making his way, there's landmines and obstacles in his way. He cannot hit one of these. He cannot hit them. If he hits them, it destroys him. So what he's got to do, don't go anywhere yet, stay right there. What he's got to do is he's got to know Cabot's voice really well. Do you know Cabot's voice really well, Parker? Can you, can you discern his voice pretty well? Okay, so 
But here's the thing, That's, that would be easy for, for Cabot to lead him through this just by saying, take two steps this way, Toadie, you're right, and all. But that's not the problem. The problem is there'll be other voices telling him other things. That's what you guys are going to do. Oh, man. You might be right. You might be giving him the right direction, but a lot of you will be giving him the wrong direction. You want to see him fail. You want to see him experience some of these things that are dangerous. And so you are trying to distract him. So your voice might be telling the truth, might not. But Cabot, he knows Cabot's always telling the truth because he's the voice of God. So he's going to be hearing the voice of God and listening for it. Now don't yell. I don't want any of you to yell because I don't want to drown out Cabot's voice. I just want to make competitors clear. He's going to have plenty of other voices to hear. And he's going to be listening very carefully for Cabot's because he knows he can trust Cabot's. So Cabot, if you would, you make short steps as you come this way, Parker, and Cabot's going to lead you. And the rest of you, just with your normal voice, would you please give him, just give him wrong directions from wherever you are. Just tell him wrong directions that would make him crash into these. All right, Cabot, get him down here. Okay, you guys can get those chairs if you want to. Now, what I want to tell you, just, just by looking at that, there's all these other voices you can hear. There's no, there's no shortage of Oprah's and Ellen's and the vo- view. Have you noticed? The view, the voice, all these people saying, here's how you should live or here's how you should be allowed to live. All these other voices competing for your attention. And to pay attention, as Peter says, to the Word of God means you're listening for a certain truth and voice. And you're going to follow it no matter what all these other voices say. There's this song we used to sing in the youth group. I don't, it's been years, but it goes like this. Lord, my desire is to be like you, to say the things you say and do the things you do. Let me hear your still voice through all the other noise so that I can be just what you want me to be. I want to hear your voice over everything else. How do you do that? How can you possibly hear God's voice over all the others on the radio and on TV? And in, How do you possibly? You've got to listen and pay attention. The image he uses is that we're going through a very dark world. And the only resource you have to navigate it is the light of the Word of God. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my way. The only thing you have to navigate through the darkness until the day comes and everything is set right, the only resource you have is the light from Scripture. Pay attention. If you really believe these words are the words of God, you will keep teaching and preaching and drawing from them and you will pay very careful attention to them even with all the other voices out there of instruction. Last one, if you look at chapter 3, jump ahead to 2 Peter chapter 3. He gives a warning at the end. We're going to back up to verse 15. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our, our beloved brother Paul also wrote you according to the wisdom that was given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. He's saying Paul's letters, New Testament, is just as authoritative as the old, more so perhaps for New Testament believers. They are, as the other scriptures are, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take 
care. There's your two words. Take care. So first of all, keep teaching. Second, pay attention. Third, take care. This is what we do to protect scriptures. Take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your stability. Take care. There are counterfeits out there. There are people who are taking this book like they're teaching from it, giving you book, chapter, and verse, but it's still not the truth. Take careful attention. Take care because they distort the Word of God. Just because somebody can quote a verse doesn't mean it's right. Satan does that. Just because somebody can give you book, chapter, and verse something doesn't mean it's actually true in that context because you can take it out of context. What he says is they distort it. Some people misquote it. If you look back at chapter 3, verse 7, he says, and some people deliberately forget some things about it. He says these people say, well, the world, there, there is no judgment, there is no heaven, there is no hell, and that's what they're teaching. These false teachers who say they're faithful scripture say these things, and Peter says it's not true. They keep saying, well, this is the way it's been since creation. No, they deliberately forget that many years ago God created the world by water and then deluged it with water. It hasn't always been this way. God's judgment intervened several times. But they deliberately forget. It's really good to give you a verse and preach on it and deliberately forget other verses that shed greater light on that truth. And people can do this. There's a couple of ways you can do this. People just teach from Scripture and it's incorrect. you got to be really careful. Not just paying attention. We're talking about taking care to understand your word. Like the Bereans, go back and look at the word some more and make sure what that preacher's saying is true. But there's a second thing you see in this passage, that there's some difficult parts of Scripture. Did you hear what he said about Paul's writings? Which are hard to understand. There are some things about Scripture that we might look at and say, well, it's obvious here, but you look at it again and it's pretty difficult. There are some. We need to admit this. It's not all easy to understand. There's some difficult things about Scripture we have to figure out. And that brings us to this understanding of interpretation. There are many churches that say we go by Scripture, but they believe vastly different things. Let me give you one example. I mean, this is the one that's most obvious, isn't it? Instrumental music and worship. What's the New Testament say? Nothing. What's that nothing mean? Well, I'm on this side. I I think silence means you've got to be really, really careful, and unless you have some kind of theological principle somewhere you need to stay silent where scripture is on this side are people saying yes it's silent the scripture and the new testament says nothing about it so we think you can proceed carefully and go ahead and and have instruments too now that's not where i stand i stand on this side but here's the question because i stand on this side and i think i've got a good hearty sense of what the scriptures say does that mean i can look at that guy on that side and say he's absolutely sinfully wrong That's really hard. We're going to deal with this issue in the coming weeks. And it could be a very, as I said earlier, a moving sermon. You preach it and then you have to move the next week, right? That's kind of one of those things. (laughs) So let me show, kind of say what we're going to do here in this series. I'm going to end this lesson this way with a frank admission. And that is, as we study different things that we do over the course of this series and offer reasons for them. We're going to be as biblical in our support as we possibly can. 
I want you to know why from Scripture we do what we do and don't do. Some of the things we do like we do because it's, it's got to be done some way. But how you do them really doesn't matter. It's just that somebody has to decide this. So you, you go to a church somewhere and they have the Lord's Supper after the preaching. Is there anything wrong with that? N- not, not scripturally. You're going to say, well, then I can't leave after the Lord's Supper and not hear the sermon. That's, that's scriptural. It doesn't I'm... It doesn't matter when you have it. You just got to have it sometime. And so we have it the way we have it. And, and, and you might go somewhere that does it different. And at first you might go, now hold it. They don't do it like we do. Huh? Sunday night services? Where I came from, they no longer have it. People older don't drive at night. Are they sinning because they don't have it? No, that's kind of their church autonomy. Make that, make that choice as they want to. So there are some churches, even right here, and you, you, you're aware of them, don't have Bible classes because they don't believe you should study Scripture in a Bible class setting. Is that wrong? I, I don't think that's wrong. It's not how we choose to do it. I just want to know as we go through this, as we talk about the things we do, let's be honest and say, you know, This is sometimes a matter of logistics, but some things, there's a second category, some things this is how or why we do them because in Scripture it shows us this. This is an image it gives us, but it may not have a command with it. That's a real strange thing, but in churches of Christ where we we say we want to be like the New Testament church and that's a, a posture I want to have to the day I die. I want to do it just like the New Testament church did it. And I know the New Testament church did the Lord's Supper every Sunday, but I'm not going to stand up here and tell you the Bible commands you to do the Lord's Supper every Sunday. That would be misrepresenting the truth. And I will not preach Church of Christ doctrine if it means that I can't be faithful to Scripture. You can fire me if you want to, but I've got an answer at Judgment Day for that one. That one's tough. But don't get all uptight about that and think, well, he's going to chunk it because that's not what's going to happen. I'm going to be honest with what Scripture says and why we do it every week and while until the Lord comes, we will. I just want to be honest because you know what? We've got young people going off to college and they, they could have sworn all their lives we taught that there's a command to do it every week. We've got to do that command. And they get out there and they talk with people and suddenly it dawns on them, there is no command. And then not only did they question that, they questioned everything we taught then you're in a pile of trouble. I want us to be a church that is honest with what Scripture says, explains why we do what we do, and have this position of passion for what we do so that our people, when they go and they leave and they go off to college, they have a passion for what they do and an understanding of why they do it. Now, if later on you go, be careful if you ever... I'm going to say this, if you ever go to something different than what you grew up with, be very careful as to what your motives are. That's where I'd put even Sunday worship. A lot of movements now are trying that, you know, people don't want to get up on Sunday, so they do it Saturday night. That's a little baffling to me, but I I get to looking at it, you know what they all say? Well, there's no command to do it every Sunday. Ah, so what do we say about that? Well, we're going to be talking about that as this goes along. And, and then there's a third category where I'd say this. Scripture clearly directs us to do certain things. And that's what we're going to do. And I'll show you where those verses are and show you what those things are. 
It doesn't keep people from debating them out in the religious world, and people may do different things, but I'm going to tell you, some things we do, the way we do them, I don't see how you can do them any different. And it sounds narrow, but I'm going to tell you, if that's what Scripture says, that's what we need to do. We've got to be faithful on both sides of this. As we discuss these things, the goal of the entire series is the same. To be honest and point out the nature of Scripture's support for how we do things. If something is strongly commanded, let's say it. If something is exemplified in Scripture and how it was done in the New Testament, let's be honest and say that and give reasons for why Valley View, we do it this way. Not are the ways we do them the only way to do them sometimes, and we'll say that when it's necessary too. We're going to explain this to the world. We're going to explain this to each other and be totally biblically honest about the positions we hold. And when our young people go out there, they can be confident as they leave home and go off to college or move away that we've been faithful and we've equipped them to be able to navigate through all these other counterfeits and all these other ways of doing things and be able to gauge, is that right or is that wrong? Is this an area of freedom? We want them to have that ability. I don't want them to be robots going out there saying it's got to be done like I did it at home. I want them to be informed believers who know what's important and what they will not budge on because they have a strong sense of what's right and what's wrong. All of this goes back to what Peter says in this passage. Scripture, the Bible, is the sole source of authority for believers We want to hear it. We want to proclaim it. We want to draw everything out of it that we need. We need to take care that we honor it. We need to pay attention to it and everything that we say and that we do. This is our goal at Valley View, to be the church on the hill that shines the light into the world and lets the light be seen so that God can be glorified. But what is the light? What is the lamp? What is the truth? It's whatever's found in Scripture. And whatever we're expounded to do, expected to do out of that word, that's how we need to live so that even when people say how do I get right with God we have a Bible answer just like the first gospel sermon answer it should be this gospel sermon answer today just as it was on day one of the church it should be on days the the last day of the church repent of your sins and be immersed in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit you can't go wrong with a Bible answer you can't If this is a journey for you where you say, I want to be as biblical as I can, join us on this journey. We will be responsible and biblical and faithful. And if that means today that you need to respond for the first time accurately to the truth, we'd love to receive you. If you just want prayers of the congregation to help you be faithful and living out what you find in Scripture, we can help you with that. Whatever you need to do in response... Make sure that you're right with God today before you leave as we stand and sing to encourage you. If this message has left you with questions or even a desire to take action in your walk with God, let us know if we can be of any assistance to you. Visit us at the Valley View Church of Christ in Jonesboro, Arkansas or online at vvcoc.org or visit the Church of Christ near you. Thanks for listening and God bless.